0: Miles Walker here, channel development manager for Graphis. So excited today to be talking to obviously everyone in Mike's uh, aura and sphere of uh, influence. I'm going to be talking about selling cybersecurity through education and not fear. And now here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit.
1: Welcome to the Elevating IT podcast. My name is Mike Brooks. I am your host, and I am here with the lovely and talented Miles Walker from Graphis. I will take I, that I, intro, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> you no, know, I have applause on this soundboard. Not fast enough to to switch it and do. Wait a minute. I have Miles Walker from Graphis. Woo! Oops, I got to turn down. Whoa, there we go. There you go. All right, that's pretty. That was about as terrible as it gets. So, Miles, thank you for being here today. No problem.
0: Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. It's good, good, good to see you virtually. Uh, now that we've actually uh, met in person, it's kind of a uh, fun to do this. I actually, know some people now after the last few months.
1: That's right. We met in Las Vegas a couple of uh, well, a month ago now at the end of October, and it was a blast. You know, I've known you for a long time, and and I got to tell you, like people who know Miles, people who know you know that when you walk into a room the room kind of gets more energy like you are you just bring an energy to the room and it's just fantastic to 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 know you and be and call your friend and uh, yeah it was a blast hanging out with you we were at connect IT in Las Vegas and uh, finally got to meet you in person so. yeah
0: it was great I got to meet well you I think i got to meet about five or six people that I've been wanting to meet for ages and it was so nice to be able to do that kind of in a laid-back environment obviously during the day we're in our sessions, but then at night, you know, we, uh, we got to hang out and uh, let our hair down, so to speak.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. And just to introduce you to people uh, a little bit more, a little deeper, you, you are, again, you're with Graphis, which is a pretty cool company, man. We started using Graphis in our own, you know, Frank, our Benedetto, our founder actually uses Graphis.
0: Oh, wow. I I, I don't even think I knew that. Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. So he, you know, he controls the, the buttons with audits So now audit uses graphics and it's, it's pretty cool. So I've been very, actually very familiar with this. So I'll have to get, you know, give you guys a, a shout out that it's a fantastic product. Oh, I love um, to hear
0: that. I always say as well, I mean, we became part of the Kaseya family in uh, July, 2020, and uh, we'd actually use the product at Kaseya for uh, about 18 months before um, the company. Um, made the purchase I guess you'd say and you know got involved and uh I don't want to use the cliche term eating our own dog food but that's basically what we did at Kaseya. and uh you know from there on out um, everyone uses it here and you know growth has been so good over the last year since I've come on um you know sales are going up and up and up and uh, it's been great
1: that's awesome well today we're going to talk about a really cool topic and I'm sure you know you're going to bring a little bit of Graphis into this and, and sure. anybody who's listening, we want to make sure we educate them on what Graphis does. So feel free to, to share, because I think it's an important, you know, it's an, it's an important thing. And you're, you were specifically brought you on here or you you came on here specifically to talk about selling cybersecurity with education as opposed to fear. And, and I think that's such a great topic because you know, I, listen, I, I love as a marketing person, I love, using fear. I love using emotion. And and I think there is a place for that, but ultimately education gets you, gets you much further, right? I think fear gets attention. That's a good thing, but education is what really moves the needle. So I, I love that topic. So tell me like, why did you, what, what's your approach to that? Like, why do you, why do you approach it that way?
0: Well, I love that. I, I think you make a great point because fear will sometimes get you into the door you know, if you're trying to make a sale, but it won't keep you there, right? And you have to educate people. And that's, I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the past year is that there are so many horror stories out there. I mean, I could I could do hours, Mike, just talking to you about all the different breaches that have happened, all the different industries that have happened. And that's great if that's how you want to sell your product. But I love taking like practical examples. So for example, say you're talking to a small business that's 15 people or less, they're going to probably say something along the lines of, well, I don't think that'll happen to me. They're not going after the low hanging fruit and showing them actual examples of companies that are kind of on their level. I think that makes way better business sense than just trying to terrify them. Cause most, most small companies don't think this is going to happen to them.
1: That's a great point. It's, you know, And again, I I love talking. I love, it is a really scary thing. I don't, where do you, where do you kind of walk that, that fine line? Because you want to make sure people are, I guess the right way to say is you want to make sure they're educated, that they should be afraid of this.
0: Well, Well, yeah. I mean, when we say we want to educate through, through, um, or we want to teach or sell through education, there's going to be, some little fear strand that comes in. I'm not going to lie to you. Like who are, who are most of the clients that you speak with every day? Like what size businesses are they working with?
1: So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're straight, you know, in the MSP industry. So all of our clients are MSPs and you know, they're, I mean, we, our clients range from one, usually more than one. Uh, they're a little bit more mature MSP uh, but, but you know, a couple people MSP to 20, 30, you know, that size company. And of course, they're dealing with tons and tons of different companies, obviously themselves.
0: Sure. And I think that's how you kind of want to tailor your approach. So, say, for example, you've got an MSP, you know, just down the road from you in Connecticut, and, you know, they're working with a manufacturer. Um, you know, they could go in and say, oh, yeah, you know, Colonial Pipeline, you know, the, one of the largest pipelines in the world got breached recently and had to pay a $7 million ransom. But if their manufacturing company they're working with, only has you know 150 workers that probably won't compute to you know a threat to them but if you actually find you know manufacturing companies that have been hit that are in a similar maybe industry category and um size of people those i think really hit home the most because you know if your neighbor is getting hit by a cyber breach you're gonna think twice but if there's somebody who lives in I don't know rural Tennessee, and you're based in Connecticut. There's no connection for you, so it's really finding those um, those stories and teaching them about what other ha- what what happened with other companies, so that they can realize that hey, this is something that I have to be made aware of, and I have to take protections.
1: Right, and that's probably when you arm your clients at Graphis. Do you, do you do a lot of teaching? You know, a lot of helping them to sell and educate, how to educate. So t- talk to me about what you, cause I'm always interested, you know, audits a sales tool mm-hmm. and we, we help our, our, oh, they use audit to help sell all of the different things, right? So you're a part of an audit report, like it, like, like all the other things in in the channel. And I'm always curious on, on what your approach is to training your, MSPs your clients to train their clients and to educate how you approach because it's one thing for you to talk you know you to educate them right on this but how do you educate them on how to educate their clients if that makes sense of
0: course no i mean well i i like to take a little bit more of a utopian approach i guess you throw in a big word there mike um i like to kind of go back to where cybersecurity started and i know it might it might sound a little archaic but if if i'm talking to an MSP And all they know about cybersecurity is what is in front of them. Okay. They know that there's a breach here. There's a breach there. I find it. It's so interesting to give them a little bit of background and tell them the story about where cyber attacks came from. Like most people don't know that the Morris worm uh, was kind of the first cyber attack, which happened in 1988.
1: So I like to kind of worm. Wait a minute. You got to tell me about that now.
0: Okay. So an American scientist, um, he created this bug which infected a whole bunch of computers basically that's the that's the simple layman's term for it okay and then probably right after that uh john mcafee came out with um his security program in the 90s um lots of people looked to the uh the aids trojan which is one of the first uh cyber cyber attacks that happened on a wide scale and i love to like kind of dive into a few of these like old gems Mm. and why I do that is because it was such a simple time back then and people didn't even think that you could get a virus that infects your computer um the one that I've been starting to talk about a lot more is um, remember when everyone used to use USBs Mm. and you know you transfer files on USB and now that is one of the main ways where um attacks happen is People will leave USBs around and now people are getting smarter, at least in our industry, about plugging them into a computer. But that's like one of the biggest no-nos when I talk to someone. Never plug an unknown USB into a computer because that's how viruses are getting passed these days. Mm-hmm. And if you can believe it, I have a new MacBook and they don't even have USB ports for, for one of those reasons.
1: I know. Oh, that's the reason. I thought the reason was to annoy the daylights out of me.
0: Well, also that, I mean, don't get me wrong. It can't be annoying, but <laughs> we back to the Morris worm, uh, Robert Morris, um, right now, well, after he, he got busted by putting out the Morris worm, uh, he ended up, uh, doing, I think it was 400 hours of community service, $10,000 fine. And now he's the head of computer science and AI technology at MIT. So it just shows like, the right- okay. sorry.
1: Crime does pay.
0: Well, this is the thing that I've that I've learned over these last six months when I'm talking to different thought leaders. There's no computers right now that, that I know of that are locked inside of a jail. And why? <laughs> because people have to obviously operate those computers and the people behind them are, aren't usually ever busted for what they do. And they'll get a slap on the wrist like with Robert Morris. Um, what was the one that I heard recently? There was a huge Twitter hack that came out last year and 1.2 million dollars was stolen from various uh celebrity accounts they fished through celebrity accounts mm-hmm. so for example i know obama got breached i know elon musk did and they had a link to a charity that one of them was was pushing or promoting and they had had their twitter accounts get hacked and the the money went to a, a private account which was supposed to be for charity but it was a 16 year old kid um, in his parents basement and he had pulled off this elaborate scam. And what did the, the the U.S. government do when they found out? Did they throw him in jail and make him serve time? No. They gave him a job.
1: <laughs> That's unbelievable. And,
0: and these are the kind of stories that you hear all the time. And, you know, cyber crimes. if those, if these were, if a criminal gang broke into Colonial Pipeline and, I don't know, played around with their computers on site, they would be in prison for many years. But right, because right. they did it behind the safety of a computer, they don't really get in trouble.
1: As long as just is not the computer in the place. That's amazing. You know, I didn't think I I knew that. And I and just didn't occur to me until you started talking about it that it's like all of these, you know, there's companies and and people that are keynote speakers and you know, they get big bucks who were former bad guys who Got caught. Now they're good guys. It's like
0: well, what is- well, well. Speaking of that, I don't think I have the book. Oh, actually, I do. This is not a plug of his book, but I, uh, I got to interview this guy.
1: I saw, I saw the interview. That was a great interview. Yeah. I saw part of it.
0: So, um Tony, um, he stole fifty million dollars from uh, governments, banks, businesses all over Europe, and I think he said in about two thousand three or two thousand four, he went from you know, doing the Oceans 11 style heists with a team of guys to going online. And he started doing a lot of mortgage fraud and a few other things. And he said to me, he's like, Miles, there's no computer. That's where I got that line from. There's no computer that's sitting right now in prison because that's just the way the world is. So you can pull off a, a heist or a scam online. You don't get the same kind of jail time. He ended up going to prison for a year and a half for passport fraud. That's the only thing they could find him. They they, they could find on him.
1: Do you think that's going to change? I mean, you know, we're. It seems like we're at the beginning of this. Even that. Even though you're, you bring up a good point. You know, I. I mean, I had my first computer. I mean, I had a Commodore 64 when I was a kid. I had you know, one of those. We've had, we've had computers in our family since the early days, and and uh, you know, I had my. I've I've had computers for years, and I don't remember the first time that I was actually worried about a virus. But it was. I'm sure it was in the 90s and I'd already had computers for years. You you know, they were real simple back then. It's like they wreck your hard drive and that's pretty much it. Now it's like they can empty your bank account, they can empty your friend's bank, you know, it's like they can really do some, there's some serious harm. This This is crazy stuff. And it's really within the past few years that we've been seeing the magnitude of this. I mean, do you think we're at the beginning of this where those things will change? Maybe these guys will end up in jail.
0: I mean, I, I've seen a few recently. Um, I've seen like there's some Ukrainian and Belarus, uh, Belarusian hackers that have got, um, I, I won't even say substantial jail time, but you know, four to six years. And that was the most we've heard. And, you know, I think they will change, but they have to kind of come together, um, and almost make like a, a world, um, I don't even know what you call it, a world policy maybe because you know, if there's a hacker in the Ukraine, how can someone in America, you know, um, you know, like deal with that? You need you need right. help from the Ukrainian government, for example, right? I mean, even if you're gonna do Canada uh, American, um, you know, uh, laws, you know, something in Canada might not be the same as something in America. I know we have websites um, like Pirate Bay, which are illegal in America and in Canada, they're still legal. So, um, you know they have to kind of come up with like a governing body, like almost like a cybersecurity governing body that would fall under the UN that has like, you know, a code of conduct so that people can be busted because it's not like a a lot of these hackers are actually, you know, down, down the street from you. They're actually, they're actually in different countries or different cities.
1: Right. And which country is like the best country to go if I want to be a hacker?
0: I mean, (laughs) where
1: they can't get me.
0: I mean, Russia and China and that's, partly to do with their extradition laws so you know i mean we all know the story of edward snowden um he's had safe harbor in russia now for gosh seven or eight years and uh you know that's not going to change they're not going to change the extradition laws on him um and china they have their own laws so i mean if if you really wanted to be a hacker those would be the uh the two trophy spots to go i guess but uh you probably have to learn chinese or uh or russian
1: and I'd have to learn how to hack. Well, I can just—I yeah, des- exactly. can destroy my own computer. I'm really good at messing up my own devices, but I'm not good at uh, any of the other things that are needed to probably do that. You need a lot more technical skill than I have.
0: Well, if, if you can believe it, nowadays um, you can actually buy phishing uh, kits on the web, oh
1: uh, on God. the dark
0: web. So this Pretty would have nice. never been, been a thing like three or four years ago. Well, but,
1: I could yeah. buy a starter phishing kit. Did they make like starter fishing kits for dummies, or do you have to be technically like? I skilled? mean,
0: you have to have some skill. You probably have to have a, a a programmer baseline, but I mean, you can go on to tour and log into the dark web and actually buy these fishing kits now. And they have they're real time. They look incredible. I mean, I've seen a lot of them, but it's not just uh, it's not just fishing kits that they're selling on the dark web. I mean, they're doing how tos to different types of of phishing i i don't know have you heard of the term smishing no smishing is a uh, sms text phishing and that's now the big one because um only about 20 percent of emails actually get opened but about 98 percent of text messages get opened so yeah, people now. realizing you have to come up with new ways i i recently had um an attack on 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 myself um which was done through instagram and Someone had created a fake Instagram account um, and they based it off of a a contest on a real Instagram account. And yeah, I won a few free nights at a hotel and I went on to log on and collect my my prize and booked in the hotel dates I wanted to stay. And then I realized that it was it was a fake. And I called it the hotel and I said, hey, I work in cybersecurity. I think you've been hacked. And they went and looked and they had been. Wow. But it was like, sorry, go on.
1: What is, what did that mean to you? Like, cause you know, some of these things ca- are, are meant to just mess around with people, right. Just to have fun, see if they can just, you know, like cause mayhem, but some of this stuff is taking data or, you know, getting passwords or what have you, like, what level was this? Like,
0: okay. So what did they do? So they created, um, so the comp- the hotel was called Hotel Z. It's a small um hotel chain. I guess you guys would probably call it Hotel Z down in America, but Hotel Z in Canada, because we say Z instead of Z. And uh they have uh about four or five hotels throughout BC and they're all small family family owned. And uh they they had their their uh contest on their Instagram page and it said tag a few friends and you can be eligible to win a few nights hotels and a pair of uh, customized converse shoes. So I tagged a few friends the next day I get a message from hotel Z saying, Hey, you've won. We want to offer you your prize. If you don't, if you don't accept within 10 minutes, it's going to the next person on the list. So what they do is they create that emotional response because you only have 10 minutes. So you you immediately get excited Uh, pressure. So I clicked on the link, put in my details, And then at the end, it says, put in your credit card info. And it says, this is just a hole to hold the rooms. And I mean, coming from the travel industry, you need to always give a credit card um, to hold a hotel. That's, I mean, everyone does that, right? There's no, there's no hotel in the world that will just let you put in your name and email and say, Hey, like honor system. And, but I just kind of got a bad vibe when I saw that. I, I thought this, this seems a little bit fishy, pardon the pun. And, uh, yeah, I, I called them up and they said, yeah, we just got hacked and they, they cloned the, they cloned their page. They just, they built an entire new Instagram page and they had actually added several thousand people. So, I mean, they were very smart in what they did and, you know, I didn't bite, but who's to say the next person didn't or did bite. Right. And so that's the thing is that with a lot of these companies, um, I did a, I did a keynote a couple weeks ago, sorry, my nose is going a little crazy here. Um, A couple weeks ago, I did a keynote at one of our first Vancouver tech events and I had about 45 people in the room and I had people just give me a show of hands of who had got one of those Amazon gift card attacks in the last year. And three people raised their hand out of the 40 some odd people who were there. And I told a story about how I had one uh, last year where, my old boss had sent me an email saying, Hey, I want to do something nice for the team. I want you to buy everyone an Amazon gift card. Don't tell accounting, put it on your personal expenses and I'll give you the money back this afternoon. And I thought, wow, this guy is great. This is my old boss. I thought, what a good guy. And I asked him, I said, I'm like, do you want me to do that right now? And he said, do what? I said, buy those gift cards. He said, what gift cards Mm -hmm. showed him. I showed the computer to him and, uh, He just said, Oh my gosh, that's, I've obviously been hacked. And it was, you know, a business email compromise, or some people will call it domain spoofing or whatnot. So they'd somehow got into his, his email account. Um, they'd cloned his email and they had his, um, his signature. It was perfect. And I didn't bite on it. And I had those people raise their hands, the keynote, and out of those three people that said they'd had one, two of them actually went and bought those Amazon gift cards. Wow, And I think they said they each lost about $1,000, which to a lot of people, that's not a lot of money, but these are these cyber hackers going after the low hanging fruit. They know that, you know, depending on what facet of the business you are, you, you know, you may be the secretary, you may be, um, you know, the HR person. You're not used to doing this kind of stuff, but if it comes from your boss and it says their email and says, "Can you do this today? I'll give you the money back this afternoon." It creates that emotional response where you want to do that and you want to do it quick, and you also don't want to question your boss. Right. And oh. how how did the hackers get in? They maybe went onto LinkedIn, saw you know the different people in the company, and picked the name. It's not hard to find an email these days, um, and just plug in the you know Mike dot Brooks at you know, audit.com or whatever your email is and, you know, send off that email with the signature.
1: Oh, it's, um, and I, you know, I don't want to go too far off track because these are great. You know, I'm going to rewind a little bit because we're talking about, we're talking to you about how to talk, sell cybersecurity with education and not fear. Right. And you, that's probably, you're really demonstrating <laughs> how to do that because you're telling me you're 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 sharing these stories with me and i'm i'm like i can't i'm i'm stuck on every word that you're saying you know i mean i'm 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 like it's like you're telling me uh, a story you know well, like, and, so. and,
0: and to kind of wrap it up like you know with Graphis or just kind of bring Graphis into it um graphics obviously through our ai technology we look at 50 different attributes so say mike you send me an email the first time you send me an email I'm going to get an employee shield banner that comes up on my email that says, You do not know this guy. Mike is not a a trusted relationship. And so they look at 50 different attributes. So the first time you send me that email, I'm going to go, You know what? Mike's a good guy. We hung out in Vegas. Report false positive, right? If I don't know who you are, I'll say, Phishing. I'll just click the phishing button. And then the AI starts to learn. So now, next time you send me an email, it knows that I've approved our relationship, I guess you could call it. And and it actually looks at 50 different attributes on your next email. And those 50 attributes are, you know, where are you sending it from? What kind of device? What time do you send this? And it actually looks at all these different um, uh, personal information, I guess you could say bits, and it decides if that email is gonna be safe or not, and it gives it a score. We'll never see that score. You'll never see that score. I'll never see that score, but it's done through the system. And so, for example, that phishing email that I got from, from my old boss, it would have known that it wasn't coming from his computer or his IP. So it would have flagged it up and it, it would actually say, so that actually gives me. you the example of the type of phishing email it is. So it would say, this email is from somebody in your organization, but this is it has several credentials that don't make sense. Be very careful about this email. And if I had seen that that banner before I read the email, you know, and I would have been conditioned already to know that this is something that happens. Um, mm. You know, I would have I would have figured it out. But clearly, the other people didn't. So right. Right. that's that's then, the thing about our product that it actually tells you what is the um, style of phishing that someone's trying to do.
1: It's amazing. Now I noticed that, and and I I'm still learning because we just started using Graphis recently, I clicked, I got an email and I could tell, I knew it was, you know, graphics didn't know yet, but I knew what it was. And I recognized it as, as I think it was spam or phishing or it was some, whatever it was, I clicked a button and it told me that it was pulling it out of, or at least I think it was, it was like, thanked me for letting it know. And, and it's now pulling it out of my teammates inboxes.
0: Yeah. So that's, so that's a big one that we do that a lot of other companies, uh, other phishing solutions don't do. So um, say, say you've got 40 people at the company, Mike, just say that, that, that's the amount people are from, you know, as far as London to California and say, one of your teammates in London gets uh, an email and that's clearly phishing. You can actually report it as phishing and they'll pull that from everyone else's inbox in the company. And a lot of the solutions don't do that. And what's great about that is, You know you might wake up and you don't even know that you've had these emails these phishing emails sent to you because they've already been pulled and it can go into a sandbox mode so for example say for just one of those emails was actually a legit email you can go back and you can have a little a little look later but it's so nice to be able to see an email no matter where you are and you can quarantine it and then nobody else has to deal with that that's a big big one
1: and i remember what it told me it actually said it's coming back to me now because it was like, you know, it was a couple of days ago. God forbid I could remember what I even ate for breakfast. <laughs> so it it told me that it was quarantining it and it was going to pull it out of the other inboxes. And if it was, if it turned out this was a real email, it will put it back. Sure. Yeah. Right. I think that's what, it, I, that, am I correct in, in that? Yeah. yeah. Right. That is really cool. Like, yeah, no,
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's such a robust system. And I mean, AI technology is in everything we do. I mean, you know, you turn on Netflix and it tells you what they think you're going to like based on what you've already looked at. Um, I'm on my, my phone and every day or well, once a week, Apple music makes a playlist for me based on all the music that I've said I've liked or downloaded. They'll make a new playlist for me based on new music, based on, you know that algorithm. So AI technology is something that all of us are going to be using a lot more in our life. And you know we have those two AI patents with the product. And you know what? You want someone who is looking after your back when you're asleep. You want someone who doesn't get tired, who isn't, uh, you know, taking two hour lunch breaks. And that's what AI does. If we want to get a little bit of uh, more in depth, um, it's it's pretty crazy to think that the technology is there. And I mean, you know, I had one recently where we had the, the CEO of our company, Fred Vicola. He he sent me an email and I don't talk to Fred very often. And the email said, hey, Miles, you've been doing some great work. Can you give me a call ASAP? And I had his phone number. And I'm like, uh-oh, what have I done here? But it says I've done good work. And then I had a look and I could see the employee banner, but I just looked quickly on my phone. And it said, this is coming from someone in your organization, but it's not coming from their direct computer. That like this looks fishy, you should definitely think about opening this. And they do that for attachments. They do that for every different facet of an email. So those 50 attributes that the AI looks at, it's super interesting to think that it's not just what time you're, you're emailing or how you're emailing. It looks at everything.
1: Wow. That's cool. I'm going to pop up the, uh, the web address here for you guys is graphis.ai. So if anybody's interested in learning more about graphics, I think I get, unless you have a different one, if you have anything different, you want me to pop up? Oh, here, that's, that's
0: perfect. I always say as well that, um, Mike, do you have any clue what, um, what the GDP of the USA was in 2020? It's in the trillions. I'll give you that hint.
1: I'm going to guess uh, 2.5 trillion. Okay. That's I think it's not, not like bad. I'm smart.
0: For USA, uh, 20 trillion. So you're you're I you're a, couple, off a little bit. You're a couple trillion off, but you know what? To guys like me and you, that's that's pocket change. Yeah, it's pocket um, change. China was about 14 trillion, um, and then if cyber crimes as a whole um, were added up in trillion um, by 2025, they'll they'll make up 11 trillion dollars. So they would be the third largest GDP on Earth. Jeez. So I always like to throw that out and once again because we're not trying to scare people. We just want to give them the facts, and then they can decide. Um, you know, right after the pandemic hit in March, 2020, um, phishing attacks actually went straight down and this is pretty crazy. I love to tell this story because lots of MSPs are like, this is the one tidbit I want to use to go in and talk with, um, when I'm, you know, pitching a new client on, you know, a new, a new, uh, service or a business unit that we're selling. And, uh, so yeah, so phishing went down right at the start of the pandemic. And the reason why is because these cyber, uh, attackers or threat actors whatever you want to call them they had to go to a hybrid model so they had to leave their 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 offices where they were obviously doing cyber attacks and they had to go home because covid was affecting everybody so they were just like you know the the IBMs and the Googles of the world they had to leave their office and go home and so it took about 2 weeks for them to get all set up on the systems get their computers up and running get everything uh, running smoothly before they can start doing cyber attacks again And then cyber attacks went up 770% during the pandemic. So it took two weeks for them to figure out everything. You know, they had to have all of their uh, own IT structures in place. And then they started making attacks. And I find that so crazy that people don't realize that these, there are these kids in basements that are doing these cyber attacks, but a lot of them are companies that are running like businesses in you know, different parts of the world, whether it's Eastern Europe or Russia or China or North Korea. And, you know, they get paid a salary, they get paid commission when successful attacks happen. And they treat these jobs like jobs.
1: It's amazing. Like, I would love to talk to some of these people and find out like, like, hey, what do you do? Uh, You know, I basically fool people into uh, giving me their bank account information so I can steal their money.
0: Like, well, (laughs) funnily funnily enough, you say that Um, I got to give a little plug to myself here. Uh, on December 7th, uh, I'm interviewing a guy by the name of FC. He goes by the the acronym Freaky Clown. And he is known as an ethical hacker. He's one of the most famous ethical hackers in the world. He's based out of England.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, so I'm actually interviewing him in a couple weeks. And he, I mean, it's so funny when you say the word ethical hacker, because he's ethical because he got busted for doing unethical stuff. And then he got brought right. over. And that's
1: caught. and Now he has to be a good guy.
0: Yeah. And that's always how this is. I mean, you know, um, what's his name? Frank Abagnale, you know, catch me if you can you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, he spent some time in prison and I don't know how much time he spent in prison, but it wasn't a lot because eventually the American government got him out of prison. And they're like, we want you to help us with, you know, finding forgeries and how these forgeries are made. And they realized, you know what, putting a guy like that in prison, um, Yeah. I mean, you know what? He's getting punished for his deeds, but you know, most governments know that it's way more advantageous to use those smart minds so they can stop a hundred more people from doing that to others. And uh, I'm super excited to hear him speak in a few weeks because I, uh, I talked to him briefly a couple of times. We've done a promo video together and, you know, for an ethical hacker, he's told me that now his job is he actually gets hired by like, you know, um large banks in america and uh you know large tech companies and they're like hey go to town try and get in find where we're vulnerable and find you know tricks and methods and figure out where we need to you know ramp up our our spend because we need to find like what's what, what what's the worst part of our business
1: right wow that's yeah. crazy i want to what i want to listen to or watch so when you get that, make sure to let me know. I'll share it with uh, with folks who are listening here today. Sure. So
0: yeah, I can. You know what? Let me. Uh, I'll just. I'll send you the link right now. Please. I'll put Um. That. And uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm super excited about this one because, um, you know, some of the talks we do are with thought leaders, and some of them we get to interview people that are uh, on the. Uh, how do I put this nicely? On the spectrum of uh, what's legal and what's not legal. Wow. And I find those make for the uh, the most interesting talks most of the time because, you know, you, you said you wanted to pick their brain and I actually get to, I get to pick their brain.
1: Yeah. Which can be quite fun. And that's, you know, ask them that question for me. I just wonder how do you, how do you go to work if you're treating this like a real job? You go into an office. I mean, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like organized business. It's not, they, as you're explaining it, they sound like business people and like you, you do know you're a bad guy, right? Like, I mean, that's what you're doing. And how do you, how do you kind of not let that uh, suck the life out of you? I can't, the last thing I would want to do is, is get up each day, and go to work and know that I'm doing harm to people. That's, that's a real.
0: I mean, mean thing. Too. And, I, and I love the fact that I'm actually helping people, but to get up each day, realizing I'm going to uh, be stealing money from a grandmother in, uh, you know, uh, Southern Oklahoma today. I don't know how people live with themselves at times, but To be honest i guess it's a lot of things it's um they're down on their luck they maybe don't have many opportunities in their town i mean you know those those kind of people um i actually brought on um rachel wilson who's known as the queen of the hackers and rachel wilson was one of the most senior women at the nsa and i talked to her a couple months back and i said to her because part of her job was for for the nsa she would be recruiting these high-end uh computer analysts and programmers from the top universities and i said why would they ever want to work at the American government instead of at Google or Facebook or Amazon, or they could make triple the money. And she said, well, some of them, you know, want to do, to do good. And not all of them are driven by the mighty dollar. And she said, but often they'll come and do a couple of years with us and they get to be exposed and they get to do things that they would never get to do at a Google or an Amazon. And they get to learn these skills and then they get to move on to another job. So, you know, I guess that's part of it. But yeah, I don't know what goes through people's minds who decide to make a life of crime, but there's a lot of things that come up to it. I mean, upbringing is the big one too. That's what I learned when I talked to Tony Sales. He didn't have any positive role models in his life. And he he said to me, he's like, I didn't know what to do. And he said his first thing he did when he was seven years old, he was lowered into a pub in East London through through um like the top window. And then he was told to go to the front door, open the door and let his uncles come in. So if he, he grew up with those people as his role models. um, And so that's kind of how he fell into crime. So it's, it it seems crazy to people like you and I, but it's also quite easy. That slope can be quite slippery at times.
1: Goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, this is a great conversation, Miles. And I posted in the comments to make sure to come to tune into the upcoming conversation with the ethical hacker that Miles mentioned. And I'll just read this for folks listening to the podcast because I'm, I'm sure this page will probably be up with a replay. Is that, am, am I guessing that correct? Mm-hmm. So we'll let's read this off here. F, uh, go to graphis.ai slash webinar dash inside dash the dash mind dash of dash ethical dash hacker. <laughs> yeah. I know that's a mouthful, but I want to make sure people get it because that's gonna be cool. So yeah, ask them ask them that question for me. Yeah. And, uh, thanks for being here again Miles. This was this was fantastic conversation. Of course, of always course. great. Always great catching up with you. Yeah, so, and I always
0: if anyone else has any questions feel free to reach out. Um Miles Dalt Walker at graphis.ai Um if anyone wants to hear more about the product, I mean, I don't like to give away the farm too quickly. You know, I'm I'm not a a solutions engineer like we we have our solutions engineers hop on our demos but they know so much more about the intricacies of our product i have that thirty thousand foot view of the product and i know a lot about it but you know if anyone wants a demo or wants to learn more feel free to reach out i'm happy to uh, connect them up with the right people and obviously i hope to see if there's a lot of msps on the call um see some some people at some of the shows coming up i think i'm done for the year now but uh 2022 we're going to start up again and it's going to be a going to be gangbusters.
1: Yep, we'll be back on the road again right right away probably January. Yeah, a, little, a little rest for Christmas and and the holidays. Well, Miles, thank you. I'd I'd wish you a happy Thanksgiving, but I missed it by about a month. It, it, <laughs>
0: well, a at least know, you know, you know, Thanksgiving's <laughs> in October for us Canadians here. Right. So, uh, right. but happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Uh don't drink uh no, eggnog's Christmas. So, I, what do you guys yeah. drink for Thanksgiving?
1: Same thing I drink all the time, wine. Urban. Wine,
0: beer, whiskey, whatever, whatever's there. Whatever
1: is your favorites. So <laughs> all right. Thank you, Thanks for being here. And thank you everybody for listening. As always. Until next time, keep on elevating. I